So right now, a little subgroup of our worship pastor search committee is meeting together to formulate some ideas about next steps in our process. And so that's exciting, particularly on the hills, the heels of our prayer time that we spent in the last 30 minutes in this room. And so I'm thrilled that they're going to continue to commune with the Lord and seek his presence. Um, so anyway, be praying for them. I got an interesting little uh, article today that talks about different levels of church maturity. Is, do y'all hear a ring? Can, can we? Thanks, Matt. That's Matt Bardwell back there, our new media director. I don't know if he can do a soundboard or not, but I know he can do media. All right, so, so I got this, uh, that's, that's a lot better, thank you. Um, I got this thing about different kinds of churches, and there are five levels of churches that, that was descri described in this little profile. And level one is a church that's just surviving. They're, they're actually in subtraction mode. They're losing ground. Level two, they're plateaued. And there's real tension between going backwards or going forwards. They're just hanging plateaued. And then level three, they're growing by addition, but not multiplication. All right. And then level four, they're reproducing. And then level five is multiplying, releasing, and sending. They're reproducing at such a rate that they're sending out to the rest of the world. Okay? So here's the interesting part of that. They, they say in this little, this little article that 80% of churches in the United States are at level one and two, plateaued or declining. And then, so that leaves 20% at level three and four, and percentage-wise, virtually 0% at level 5. It doesn't mean there are no level 5 churches. It just means percentage-wise, they just don't even register. There's so few of them. Okay, are you getting the picture here? And then of the 20% who are actually adding, it's estimated that less than 4% are reproducing. And uh, many of these churches that are in the adding phase, many of them are adding people that are already churched. When you look at the people who are adding unchurched, it's even lower, you know. So, so what we've been talking about is moving towards level five. But do you see how rare that is? So what we're asking the Lord to do in our own hearts and in our church family is something that obviously only he can do. And we, we need to, yes, we need to believe that God can do this. I personally just not going to be satisfied with anything less than a reproducing, multiplying, sending church. I don't believe that God called me or any of you here to be level one, two, three, or four. I believe He called us here to do something that is representative of His intentions for church. You, you with me? So that's why we're here tonight to talk about how do we keep moving forward. And we're specifically talking about the fact that disciples seek the lost. Now, why do disciples seek the lost? Well, because Jesus told us to, right? But why else do disciples seek the lost? Because disciples were once sought after. I mean, who in here 
did not come to follow Christ without help from someone else. Is it not true that every single person in here had someone help them meet and follow Christ, right? So disciples seek the lost because disciples were once sought after. And because we were sought after and found by Christ through his people, we have a passion to be that for someone else, knowing full well that if someone had not spoken to us, we would not know Jesus. And that we live around a people that if someone does not speak to them about Jesus, we are fully aware they don't have a way to come to Jesus. Because we know that if someone had not spoken to us, we would not have come. Right? That's why disciples seek after the lost. Yes, Jesus commanded us to, and we love his commands because they are good for our souls and they are wonderful for how he made us to live. But we've experienced reconciliation. Someone sought after us and we were found. So we have a compelling desire to go and help someone else find who we found because someone sought after us. Make sense? So that's why we're here tonight. Be encouraged. What I am not going to do tonight is try to convince you that you should go seek the lost. Because if you're a disciple, you should need convincing. I'm just trying to remind you of who you are. So that you'll just be that. That's it. I'm not going to give you uh, five steps and easy things to say that will make it any easier. Than, than what it is. And it's not always easy, right? Well, what I'm going to do tonight not, is not going to remove the difficulty. I'm not going to have the magic formula that all of a sudden makes you a, a dynamo at evangelism. I'm just going to simply remind you of who you are and encourage you that you can be who you are. I'm going to talk about some things in a way that I hope will maybe clarify a few things, maybe remove some thinking that could stand against you as a barrier. You could maybe make it easier from the standpoint of not creating problems because you think wrongly about what you're doing. Maybe remove some of the barriers that should never be there because you've forgotten the fact that you were once needing to be sought after. And it was as easy as someone having a conversation with you and asking you, do you want to know about Jesus? When you think about your own life, it wasn't that complicated, right? How you came to Christ and what someone told you and how you heard about the gospel really wasn't that complicated. Someone just shared it with you in some fashion, in some form, and you felt like you wanted to trust Christ. Simple as that. And I'm just here to remind you that it's really not more complicated than that. I want to encourage you so much tonight that you leave more excited about seeking the lost than you've ever been, more willing to be a, a, a voice for Jesus Christ than you've ever been, and to actually do it, to actually begin sharing. All right? So here we go. Um, let me remind you what we did last week really quick so that you'll be caught up in your mind. So remember, disciples love God. They love people. The people that we love are the people in the church, people in the world. And we do that so others can do the same thing we're doing, loving God, loving people. Simple as that. 
And we talked about being ambassadors, speaking words for Jesus. We talked about this great honor of speaking for Jesus last week. And we established that there are no coincidences. There's no random occurrences. We don't meet the people we meet by random. It's all a part of God's design. Everybody you know, everybody you live around, everybody you meet, it's design. In fact, let me just say one word about that. Today, I went into a place and I crossed paths with my neighbor who Lindley and I just visited with on Sunday and met their two little kids. Is that a mistake? Is that a coincidence? No, it is not. It's a plan. Because when I saw her, guess what I remembered? Her name. That is the sovereignty of God right there. And she probably didn't remember mine because she didn't say it. And guess what she's going to think? He remembered my name. That's just a step. I mean, God's preparing something there. Everything is purposeful, all right? And then, and then look at fear as an opportunity to act in faith. Don't let fear stagnate you. Don't let fear win out. It's an opportunity to act in faith. Remember, silence is not an option. It's not an option. And then evangelism is relational, but particularly in this way. My relationship with Jesus Christ is what matters more than anything else. And my relationship with Jesus Christ gives flavor to every other relationship, whether it's the first time I meet with someone or the hundredth time, whether it's the first conversation or the thousandth conversation. It's my relationship with Jesus Christ that makes me interesting enough for somebody in the first conversation or the thousandth to want to hear what I have to say. I'm trusting in the uniqueness of Christ to make me Someone they want to relate to. Because I know apart from him, I'm not all that great. Right? So I'm depending on the relationship of Christ. And then spend time praying. Don't underestimate the importance and the power of prayer. And then finally, leave the results to Jesus. Just be faithful as a laborer in the harvest. All right. Let's go into what we're going to cover tonight. I'm just going to talk about a few tools that I think can be helpful. Again, just encouraging you to be who you are. So the first topic that I want to talk a little bit about is how to start a conversation and keep it going. Do you know what everyone will talk about? Yes, Wendell's right, because he does it all the time. <laughs> Themselves. No, I'm just kidding, Wendell. But we all do that, right? I mean, everybody can talk about himself or herself. Everybody. I have found that the best conversationalists are the people who show the most interest in others. And they ask question after question about the person. And it's not just questions that anybody can think of. It's like they're really interested in the person and the questions they're asking are generated from a genuine concern about, hey, I want to know more about you. If you've ever been around somebody that's just naturally gifted like that, they can literally walk into a grocery store or a bookstore and be minding their own business. They'll come across somebody and the next thing you know, in five minutes, they have this person's entire life story. They're praying for them right there in the, in the aisle. 
And they left, and they now have a new best friend. They exchange contact. They've made plans for lunch the next week. And I mean, when stuff like that happens with people like that, I'm like, how did you do that? And it's because they recognize everybody wants somebody to show an interest in them. So just remember, everybody likes talking about themselves. How do you start a conversation? Ask questions about people. How's your day? What do you do? What's going on with your life? What's your family like? You just ask a thousand questions and people will talk. They will start talking. The more interested you um, are in them genuinely, the more that they'll be willing to talk about themselves. The way you start conversations with people, you just ask them questions. It's coming from a heart of real concern, which means that you'll be a listener. If you're asking a question about someone and you're not listening to what they say, don't expect a conversation to ensue. When you ask questions, make eye contact, smile, repeat what they're saying. Make sure that they know you're really listening. If somebody comes up and wants to talk to you or another thing happens that could distract you, ignore it. If it's a child or somebody with you that you need to pay attention to, do it briefly, but make sure you focus back in. Make sure people know you really want to hear them and they'll keep talking about themselves. Because people like to do that, right? So listen when you show interest in someone, all right? Um, everyone has questions about life and death. Everyone. So people like to talk about themselves and people have questions about life, death, and God. Everybody has questions or thoughts or ideas about life, death, and God. They all have questions about it. They're all talking about it. One of the things that I learned about unchurched people, people that don't know the gospel, people that don't know Jesus Christ, they talk about God. They talk about life and death. They talk about spiritual things. You know, you know what the, one of the funnier things is? I discovered that a lot of people who don't know Christ and don't go to church and don't care about those things, they will often talk about it when they get drunk. Have you ever noticed that? People talk about spiritual things sometimes when they get drunk or they go out and they get real comfortable. Their inhibitions drop and they feel very comfortable with people. The, the closer they are with people, the more they'll talk about subjects that um, they wouldn't necessarily talk about in the workplace. But everybody's thinking about, talking about, wondering about life, death, and God at some level in their life. So don't ever think that the subject is taboo, or that they never think about it, talk about it, or wonder about it. Everybody does. I can tell you this, everybody who's ever been to a funeral has questions about death. Everybody. And the older you get, the more people you know that have been to more and more funerals. And guess what they're asking? What's going to happen to me? So this is not a subject that you bring up with people. They're like, oh, I've never thought about God. I'm really freaked out right now because these questions are questions I've never even thought about. People don't do that. They're not going to do that. They think about this stuff. So don't think about these people as weird aliens. You don't think about what we think about because we're Christians. They're thinking about these questions. They've been crafted by the Creator. We just happen to know Him. And they're asking the questions that a being crafted in a unique way like humans are by a creator would be asking. They're ready to talk about it. 
just got to demonstrate you're ready to listen to what they may think about it. Okay, so don't forget that people are just people. Sometimes when I take people out sharing their faith for the very first time, they're really scared. I mean, like, really scared and nervous. And uh, sometimes they're unable to form thoughts, and they're like, I can't talk right now. You're going to have to talk for me. I'm just going to pray while you do it all. And they're like, I can't do this. You know, they get really scared. And it's good to be reminded that they're just going to talk to another person who's probably going to be a little uncomfortable with what's happening just like they are, and it's just a person you're talking to. We're not going to talk to the devil. It's just another person. And people are just people. And it's really, really disarming if we treat people like people when we go out to talk to them. So don't forget that people are just people. They're looking for and designed for relationship, for conversation, for thinking, for believing. People are designed for believing. So just remember, you're just talking to another person that's just like you. They just don't know Christ yet. And you can help them. All right? All right? Many people have not really thought about uh, in detail what they believe and why they believe it. So beliefs are, are something that many people that you engage conversations with have not really given much consideration to, particularly why they believe it. And so just know that when you engage with conversation with people, that those conversations, when you talk about beliefs, can initially feel somewhat intimidating because they have not thought about or considered it, hopefully, as much as you have. Right? You've formulated what you believe. Hopefully, you've formulated why you believe it and that you are convinced of the truthfulness of it. Well, just make the assumption that when you bring up some of these topics with people that it just might feel intimidating to them that you're pressing them in an area that they're not certain about. They have a lot of questions about and that they haven't had as many conversations or studies as you have had. And be very patient with people, recognizing that they might respond in a way that you could perceive as a rejection of what you're saying. In reality, they're just very uncomfortable and they might be intimidated. And let people breathe a little bit. Take your time when you talk to them and Encourage them to kind of talk about how they're processing what you're saying. And understand that sometimes because they haven't thought as much about some of these things that you need to be slow and patient in the way you press the conversation of belief. Conversations of belief can be really thought-provoking to people. People generally that I've talked to like talking about beliefs. And they, 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 when they feel more comfortable and they feel like they've been invited to share some of their own beliefs, they, they find it pretty thought-provoking to talk about those things. And so you're bringing up a subject that people will generally find thought-provoking. 
And when people are provoked to thought, they get engaged in conversation. And you can have some really, really great conversation with people when they feel like, hey, this is an interesting topic. This is something that I've been wondering about. Or this is what I think. What do you think about that? And so, so recognize this is something that you can offer in conversation and people like it. This is not something that people hate. I've, I've had in all the, the sharing that I've done through the years, I've had very few people react to me with, I hate you, and I don't want to talk about this with you or anybody else. It's happened, but very few times. Most of the time, it's like, I would like to talk about it, or yeah, you can tell me about it, or I would like to tell you what I think, and yeah, I'd like to meet with you again and talk more about this. I can't tell you the number of times when I've introduced a concept of believing in Christ and the biblical truth, and somebody has said to me, I think this is really interesting. I've never heard it like this, and I'd like to talk more. People don't mind talking about this, okay? All right. Now, keep in mind also that those who have thought about beliefs a great deal will have breaches in the soundness of what they believe if they do not believe the gospel. And so when it comes to beliefs, when someone believes something other than the gospel, what they believe is not as sound as what we believe. There are holes and issues with belief systems that don't end with Jesus Christ. And what they, what they all boil down to is, I am my own greatest authority. And because of that, there is no other system that is as sound as the gospel, as logical as the gospel. And you've got, you've got to recognize that when you begin to point out holes in someone's system, that it is a threat to their life. Does that make sense? And so, if someone walked up to you and threatened your life, you would immediately feel defensive, wouldn't you? If they physically threatened to kill you, you would feel defensive in that moment. You would have fight or flight. Well, guess what? When you begin to press a system that is more sound than their system, and yet their system has been working good enough for them, they will have a fight-or-flight response. Just know that that's normal. This is not a problem. This is okay. And what you need to do is be aware that that might happen, and if that happens, then you can ask for um, a timeout. I can see that this is not exactly going the way that I thought it would. Maybe you're you know, uncomfortable with some of the things I'm saying. I would love to talk further, but let's give some time to think about this. Maybe we can meet again tomorrow. I'll come and we'll talk about it more. I don't want to uh, make you feel like you don't want to talk to me anymore. See, the, the idea is that we engage with people so that um, they want to hear more not so that they want to hear less. And if your goal is to take their belief system and crush it because of the soundness of your belief system, 
they will likely decide they don't want to hear anything more from you. And so you want to make sure that what you're presenting is done in a way that people want more. And so be very cautious in how you charge in with the rightness of what you believe. It is right. And what people believe that's not the gospel is wrong. And the way we point out the wrongness of what they believe is to continue to point back to the goodness of Christ and not make such a big deal out of the wrongness of what they believe. See, Jesus Christ can correct all that they think and all they believe, but not until they believe in Jesus. And so really become invitational by keep talking about Jesus. Continue to talk about Him. Make ways to get back to Christ. Make sense? So be cautious. I then remember that uh, many people will approach spiritual conversations with a presupposition that belief is more important than truth. So a lot of people approach conversations with, this is what I believe, that's what you believe, that's good, and I don't want to worry about anything else. And they just said belief is more important than truth. That's another way to describe every other system. All right? That's a, that's a real flaw. That's the heart of every flaw in every other system. And what Christians have come to understand is that truth is more important than belief. So we are not talking about what you believe, what I believe. We are talking about what is true. There's a very different approach when you're dealing in truth versus belief. Most people you're going to talk to want to deal in belief. We want to deal in truth. Now, one of the things that I think makes sense out of that is the concept of gravity. So we, we experience what we call gravitational pull whenever we drop something on the ground, right? And so that's a fact. I drop this pin, it's going to the ground. Fact. Now, if I believe that if I drop this pin, it's going to go to the ceiling, what's going to happen? That's ineffective belief, right? Because it's belief in something that's not true. It doesn't work out so good. Only when my belief is in what is true is my belief effective. So if I'm under something that's going to fall, if I believe that the gravitational pull will bring it to the earth and I'm underneath it, then my belief will cause me to move out of the way and my belief is therefore effective because my belief was in, was in what is true. Make sense? So we want to deal in elements of truth. I'm going to teach you a few things you can do to move towards truth in your conversations with people. Because you don't want to move into debating beliefs, you want to move into talking about truth. And uh, I think people understand and live by that principle in their lives, they just don't always understand what they're saying they want to live by. Because people are living on the concept of truth all the time. And believing in truth is, is effective. Believing in things that are not true is not just ineffective, it's deception. It's being misled, and being misled does lead you astray, see? Okay, makes sense? All right, let's keep moving on. All right, let's talk about how to build bridges. 
So when you're having a conversation with someone, how do you turn a conversation about them into a conversation about spiritual things? Does everybody see how you can have a conversation with anybody about themselves? Like, you can, you can ask anybody, wherever you are, a question about that person, and they will answer that question every time. Every time that I've asked somebody a question about themselves, they've answered the question. Now, I will tell you, there's been a few times when I have asked a question about what somebody believes, and their answer has been, I don't talk about religion or politics. You ever had that one? And I say, whatever. <laughs> I don't want to call you a liar or anything, but I bet you a hundred bucks right now, you've talked about religion and politics probably in the last week with somebody that you trust and you feel comfortable talking to. It's not a matter of whether or not you'll talk about it. It's who you will talk about it with. And you may not want to talk about it with me. That's okay. doesn't mean it's not an important question. What do you think about it? I told you I'm not talking about it, you know. So, so people will talk about themselves even if it's, I don't want to tell you about that, about myself. Now, that doesn't happen very often. So you understand you can talk to people about themselves. So how do you bridge the gap from things about them to spiritual things. So let's talk about how you do that, okay? I am firmly convinced that every conversation is one or two steps away from spiritual things. Okay, you've, you've got to approach every conversation with a presupposition that we are spiritual beings. God created us and fashioned us to be spiritual beings and every conversation we have with anybody about physical things is one or two steps away from something spiritual. So just you got to buy into the fact this is not that hard because we're all spiritual and people think about spiritual things and they wonder about spiritual things and it's just one or two steps away. So let me give you some thoughts on how to make some of those movements towards spiritual things. Here's something that's really helpful for me, just pray. So, like this, you're going to the grocery store. You're going to have an encounter with, at the very least, the checker. Okay, don't go to the check yourself outline. Don't do that. You want to interact with people. Very hard to seek the lost if you're not interacting with the lost. So, um, okay, now I'm not going to tell you to do this all the time, but try not to go through drive-through banking Try not to go through drive-through restaurants. Go in. If you go through drive-through restaurants, someone's always waiting. If you go inside, you have a more chance to be a little bit more leisurely. You get face-to-face, -face, more contact. Put yourselves in positions where you're getting contact with people. Does that make sense? So you're going into the grocery store. You know you're going to have at least a conversation with a checker. You may end up having a conversation with somebody working on an aisle just because they're there and you think, hey, what are they going to do? I'm, an, I'm a customer. I can ask them all kinds of questions. Okay, so, so when you go in there, before you go in there, Lord, I'm praying that you would help me be sensitive to creating bridges to spiritual things with the people I'm going to encounter. And Father, I pray you just help me have the words that would help create a bridge. Just pray. Just ask the Lord. I'm, I'm regularly asking the Lord, wherever I go, Whatever I'm doing, Lord, help me see like you see. Help me consider that today I get to speak for you. Help me think about how to make a bridge. 
His spirit resides in me. He cares more about it than I do. I figure that makes me a pretty decent vessel. Right? So just pray about it. And then when you go up to the checkout line, pray about it again. Okay, Lord, this is the moment. Help me see how I can make a bridge to something spiritual, something significant. Just help me plant a seed. And, and maybe this seed will be early on in the process of them hearing and experiencing the truth. And maybe it'll be late in the process and they'll be saying, I want to accept Christ. Can you come back later so I can pray? You, you don't know where you are in the process. Just ask the Lord to help you. And then the moment you leave that experience, pray again. Lord, I pray that that seed that you just planted through my willingness to be your spokesperson would find good soil. That the devil would not come and snatch it away. That the worries of life would not squelch it out. The difficulties that may come if they choose to start thinking about you would not crush the life out of that seed of truth. Lord, I pray you bring fruit. And then write down what you learned, write down their name, write down the conversation, and begin to pray for that person. There's a lady that works at a store here in the community that I met month one when we got here. I've been praying for her every week since I'm waiting for the day she walks in here and says, I want to come to know Christ. I just pray, you know, just, just pray. Pray for the lost as you seek to serve the Lord by reaching them. Okay, when you talk to people and you want to make a spiritual bridge, a bridge to something spiritual, um, don't forget that smiling and making eye contact is an ability, it gives you the ability to see into their hearts. Like if you make eye contact with somebody that the scripture talks about the eyes being windows to the soul. There's something about looking in the eyes of an individual with a countenance that is representative of Christ that will open conversation to something spiritual. So Lord, give me the countenance of one who has seen the Lord so that when I look into their eyes and I smile, what they see is something of you. So that when I begin to ask a question about you, they're already seeing a picture of you through me. Do you believe God can do that? I mean, I look in the mirror and I think, how can God do that with my face? But I've seen it happen time and time and time again. That God just enables my countenance to soften the heart as they look into my soul. Isn't that crazy how that happens? But don't underestimate the significance of a smile and an eye-to-eye -eye contact, okay? So pray, look people in the eye, smile, ask God to give you his countenance. And then just trust the Lord and do your best to build a bridge to something spiritual. It's that easy. It's not any more complicated than that. Here's what you're trying to do. When you're having a conversation with somebody, how long have you worked at H-E-B? Really? Have you lived here that whole time? Oh, wow, that's interesting. Well, when, as you've lived here for the last 17 years, where have you gone to church? Really, you've gone to, you haven't gone to church? Well, I'm just curious, does church matter in your life? Do you have any spiritual beliefs? Are you even thinking about church lately? I'm just wondering because I'm here and I've thought about asking you, maybe there's no coincidence. Have you been thinking about that? 
Who knows what will happen? If you simply just, and here's what I'm doing. When I, when I say those things, I turn it to something spiritual. I'm just looking to see at what stage that their seed receptivity is at. I'm just trying to feel out where are they at? What seeds have been sown? How receptive are they? What stage are they at? Am I the seventh person, the 20th person, the first person? Where am I at in the process of God drawing them to himself? And I just want to play my part. See, I was looking to play my part. They begin to engage in conversation. I may do some more. I have given out things. I've shared things. I've taken down prayer requests. I've said, I'll come back next week and talk to you. And other times it's like, it's been great talking to you. See you later. You know, I don't know what, you know, I'm just trying to figure out where am I at in the stage of the process. I'm looking for receptivity in creating the bridges. And when there is reception and there's responsiveness, I'll just keep, keep pressing with the good news. I got something really great that I'd love to share with you. I know this is an inconvenient time. There's people in line here. I'm going to do it in 30 seconds. Here we go, you know, uh, or whatever. All right, so let me, give you, let me give you a couple examples. So there's a guy who came to our house to do, do some, uh, some stuff at our house for us. I knew he was coming. We set the, the appointment, and I'm like, you know what? I haven't been out and around and seeing a lot of uh, people that I, that I don't know whether or not they're saved and well, this guy's coming to my house. He's going to be in my house. He's got to listen to me in my house. So, Lord, prepare his heart because he's fixing to hear about you. And so he comes in and he's doing his deal. I said, I'm just going to hang out with you while you work. Is that all right? Yeah. I mean, what's he going to say? No, I'm paying him. He said, no, I'll be like, well, you want to check or not? Because I want to see what you're doing, which I do, but I also want to talk to him. So then we start talking, and I start asking questions about his family, asking this and that. And then I just asked him, I said, do you have any spiritual beliefs? I mean, what's going on in your life in that area? Do you, is that important to you? Well, you know what? My daughter, she's the spiritual one of the family. And uh, she cares about that stuff. I should probably care about it more. I said, well, that's interesting. He has no idea I'm a pastor. I don't tell people that right off the bat because it's not always a positive bridge building experience so try to keep that under wraps for as long as possible because i'd rather them know i'm just a follower of christ first and if they want to know what i do i'll tell them you know but but he doesn't know at this point and uh so i said to him i said you know one of the things i love to do is help dads know how to love their kids in a way that their kids are encouraged to love god nothing excites me he goes, really? He's like, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. He goes, well, I really, man, I could, I could use some help. And I began to tell him some things that, you know, share things. He's like, man, I'm going to do that. That's a great idea. And all of a sudden, he's like, you know, maybe, maybe it's not her that I need to encourage. Maybe I need to do something with this for myself. And he actually said to me, he goes, you know, if I go home and I tell my daughter that I want to read the Bible with her, It'll probably blow her away. I said, well, then maybe you should do that. And he left my house. I don't know what happened. He knows where I work. I told him before he left. In case they want to come to church someday. I invited him. And I told him he needed to trust Christ. That's what he needed. And I'm praying for him. Another guy comes to my house, our propane guy. Same thing. He has no idea what's coming. 
propane guy comes and I say, I start to share them, talk to him. You know what? Um, he hadn't been in church in years because he's hurt. And I prayed for him. But God, to heal his hurt. And we hu I hugged my propane guy. <laughs> right there in my yard, just hugging my propane guy. You know, I look for him every time he comes back so I can encourage him and talk to him. I mean, it's just not that hard. Just to ask people about what's going on and show that you care about them and talk about spiritual things. People just need somebody who cares enough to ask simple questions about the most important things in life. And most everybody you ask, whether you've met them for the very first time or you've known them for years, will talk to you about it. You'll have many more positive experiences than you have negative. But you've got to give your chance, yourself a chance to have experiences. Okay? All right. Um, I want you to become very familiar with the three conversations guide. So I've got more up here if you need them. I want you to become familiar with it. That's why we're learning those scripture verses. Uh, the handout has the scripture memory on it for this week. There's a few of them up here. There's 15 copies of the handout. You can get the other on the website. In that handout is another deal I've written um, representing the area of Matthew I've encouraged you to read. I hope that you're benefiting from that stuff that I'm giving you there just to encourage you in your reading. Even if you're not reading Matthew, you might read that. It might be encouraging to you. So just pick that up or download it. It'll be an encouragement to you. Work with the three conversations. guy. get familiar with it. Um, re really, it's very simple because you, you just work with three circles and you got, you got God's design you got brokenness. And you got more brokenness coming out of that because we always try to do uh, our own remedies for our brokenness. And what gets us to brokenness is sin. What gets us out of our brokenness is repentance and belief. And here's the gospel. And the gospel enables us to return to God's design, to pursue God's design. So that's the basic story is we all know God's designed everything, but everything's broken. The reason it's all broken is because of sin. And we get in our brokenness. What we try to do is fix our brokenness. But what we find out is trying to fix our brokenness on our own just results in more brokenness. But what God has done is sent Jesus Christ in the world to take our sin and pay the penalty for it. So that if we believe in him, repent of our sin, he gives us new life so that we can then pursue and recover God's design. So relationship with Jesus Christ is about recovering and pursuing the design of God for me and for eternity in a brand new world someday he's going to put us on. We get to pursue design. And what's wonderful is once we begin to pursue design again, we get to enter into the world of brokenness and offer a chance for return to design. It's a beautiful experience. See? And so it's very, very effective. You can write this down in a napkin, a piece of paper, anywhere, anytime, and give a description, use the scripture verses that you memorized, and do a very clear presentation of the gospel that really addresses the needs that people feel with the truth that is the answer. Okay, so become familiar with that, that uh, three conversations 
I mean, three circles conversation, God. There, there's some on the front pew over here. There's some here on the stage and some on the pew over here. And so if you don't have that, you can come get it when we're done here. There are four questions that will really help you get to truth. Remember, we're dealing in truth, not just in belief, but in truth. So here's some questions that will help you get to the truth. Now, let me give you the introduction type questions before I get to the four questions. A friend of mine named Bill Jack years ago introduced me to these four questions. And that was probably 24 years ago. And I just love these four questions. And I've used them and shared them for years since then. So I'll share them with you tonight. Some introduction questions, things like, do you have any spiritual beliefs? Are you a Christian? What do you think about Jesus? When you die, what do you believe will happen to you? These are just introduction questions to get to what do they believe? But we're not going to work in the area of belief. We're going to push it to what is true. All right? So this is how you do that. All right? So question number one. What do you mean? Are you a Christian? Yes, I am a Christian. Well, I'm curious. What do you mean by you are a Christian? So now I'm trying to figure out is what they believe true? A lot of people, when they go out first and they start sharing their faith, they'll ask someone, um, are you a Christian? They say, yes, I'm a Christian. They'll be like, oh, praise God, brother or sister. Way to go. High five. Talk to you later. And that was it. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. There's no telling what they think a Christian really is until you know. So what do you mean? Okay, they answer that question. And they may say, well, what I mean is that I'm a pretty good person. I get this all the time. I'm a Christian. What do you mean by that? Well, I've never done anything really bad. And God's a loving God. And because I'm, I'm a pretty good person, I think I'll go to heaven. Well, question number two. How do you know? Well, how do you know you'll go to heaven on the basis of being a good person? person where'd you come up with that I don't know just I mean, God's a loving God he I think that because I haven't done anything that bad well I'll probably be all right okay so I say well what difference is that making in your life Or so what? What difference is that making in your life? Okay, you believe that by being a good person, you'll go to heaven. So going to heaven depends on you being good. I'm assuming, based on your comment, that the difference it's making in your life is you're like the greatest person in the world to make sure that you're going to go to heaven. Is that true? Is it making that kind of difference? Or are you still doing some wrong things? See, I'm just I'm just saying, how do you know? And, and if you really believe this, then is it really making the difference in your life that it should be making if you believe it's true? Well, in that belief, you know, good works will get me to heaven. We know that that's contrary to truth. It's very easy to begin talking about that in terms of what is true. And then so question number four is, what if you're wrong? Why? 
I don't know that it's making a significant difference in your life on the basis of what you said. It is what you say you believe, but it's on the basis of what you think. Not necessarily what's true. So what if you're wrong about that? Well, I don't know. So, so the con concluding question, kind of wrap up of all the conversation is, if you were wrong, would you want to know what is true? And can I share that with you? Okay, so these four questions are very helpful in, when you have spiritual conversations. Do you have any spiritual beliefs? Oh, I don't know that that's really that important. Well, how do you know spiritual beliefs aren't that important? Yeah, I have a spiritual belief. I believe I'm going to come back reincarnated as, a, as, a, as a, a pig. Really? What difference is that making in your life today? Because I bet you live a particular way because you believe that. Is that see what I'm saying? These questions will help with whatever anybody says to get to the point of talking about if you are wrong, would you want to know what's true? Can I, can I tell you what I have experienced in my life? Right, these are very helpful, these four questions. Just learn those, memorize those, begin to use them in your home to practice. I'm hungry. What do you mean? I mean that I'm hungry. Well, how do you know? I feel hunger pains. Why are you asking me these questions? It's stupid. Well, what difference does it make in your life right now that you feel that? Well, I want to eat right now. Well, what if you're really not as hungry as you think you're? What if you're wrong about that? Hey, we're out of soap. How do you know? Well, because I just walked in the shower and there's no soap in there. Well, what do you mean? Like I just walked in, I walked in there. Well, what difference is that making in your life? I'm going to tell you right now, something's about to make a difference in your life. Keep asking me these crazy questions. Well, would you want to know if you're wrong, what's really right? Use these questions in your home. It will be a lot of fun and you'll learn them and then begin to implement them um, in your life as appropriate to help move into the arena of talking about truth. Make sense? All right. All right, let me give you one more way that you could share your faith Real quickly, it's just an easy way to talk about the gospel. So you can you can just say if you if you if you died today, would you be certain that you would go to heaven? I've asked a lot of people that question through the years, and you get a lot of interesting answers. And so whatever answer they give, if it's not truth, I'll say, hey, can I, just, can I just have a couple minutes and tell you what the Bible says? And most of the time, people say, sure. And so I'll say, I'll take my watch off. And I'll say, you know, all of us, this hand represents me and you and everybody else in the world. All of us have made mistakes in our life. We've done things that we regret. We've done things that hurt people. We've all made mistakes. The Bible calls that sin. And the Bible says all of sin falls short of the glory of God. 
This, my watch is going to represent sin. All of us have sin in our lives. My hand represents you, me, everybody in the world. And we all made those kinds of decisions and we all have sin. And the problem with having sin in our life is that we know that that's created a problem for us. It's affected our relationships. It's affected what we do and how we do it. We feel guilty. We feel ashamed at times. We don't like some of the things we've done. We regret them and we wish it was different. We know there's a problem. The Bible describes that problem as separation from God. The reason we're not okay with our lives when sin is is because sin keeps us from being right with God, keeps us from knowing God, being in relationship with God. He created us. He wants to, us to know Him and walk with Him. And sin in our life like this, we can't be in that kind of right relationship with Him. And it's created a major problem for us. But you know what God did? Because here's what we're trying to always do. We're trying to just cover it up and make up for it and be good enough. But if you keep on trying to cover it up, going to church or being a nice person, you don't cover up the sin. Uh, you don't take away the sin. You just cover it up. You can't ever remove it. All we can do is just try to cover it up, but it doesn't work. It's always there. But what God has done is He sent Jesus Christ who had no sin in His life whatsoever. And Jesus Christ came and He took all our sins. And he went to the cross and he died on the cross for our sins. When he died on the cross for our sins, he paid the penalty for sin so that he has washed away all our sins. So now every one of us can trust in Jesus Christ. And we can, by trusting in him, have the gift of his perfection in the place of our sin. And we get relationship with God again. Isn't that cool? That's what the Bible says. Simple as that. Simple explanation of the gospel. Make sense? You can come up with all kinds of things like that or just simple explanations of the gospel. I've told it with all kinds of things. Giving gifts at Christmas. Use illustrations of gifts because salvation is a gift. You can think of all different kinds of anecdotes or ways to explain the gospel in a story form that people connect with. There's lots of scriptures that you can use. Lots of stories in the Bible you can use as well. So just think of ways that you can do it quickly and clearly. That didn't take me very long, did it? And it's a clear presentation of what God is offering if someone decides to follow him. Okay? All right. Now, if you've ever had a chance to use the Three Circles Conversation Guide or any other kind of track, like Steps, with Pete, Steps to Peace with God, uh, Four Spiritual Laws, Romans Road kind of thing, you ever had a chance to use those? Let me give you some guidelines on using a track, whether it's three circles or anything else. Um, if you have a track, make sure that you are um, having a conversation with a person, not making a presentation. Does anybody like sitting and listening to a presentation? You would much rather hear a conversational presentation than some kind of lecture presentation, right? Something that you feel like is really engaging, it's talking to you, with you about stuff that you're really interested in if you just have a track and you're just reading it to them it's not going to be near as engaging for them as a real conversation so make sure if you use it it's to supplement the conversation you're having and then something to leave with them that represents what you shared with them in conversation all right so strive to make a connection with them personally if you can't make a connection personally and you want to leave something with someone, just make sure it's new and it's well done and clearly communicates the gospel. Don't give them some old crumpled up thing. It's much better to write something down in your own handwriting to give them something that's just been dug out of the bottom of something in your car. Think about what you're presenting. 
and make a very genuine presentation, even if you leave them something. Um, and then don't get stuck in a, rat, a rut of using a track because you're comfortable with it. Remember, every person is unique. And every person needs to experience a unique approach because of who they are. And their creator knows them fully well. And God has chosen you to have a conversation with this unique creation. And so be certain that you approach this as God wants me to speak to this person in a way that's designed for this person. Because he knows them completely. And I get to speak for him. And I want to be sensitive to say the things he would want me to say to this person. Because it doesn't mean the message always dramatically changes. But your approach needs to be, Lord, I want you to help me speak to this person the way you want to be heard. Make sense? All right. I, I encouraged you last week to write down your personal story. So to write down what happened before Christ, what, how you came to know Christ, what's happened since you've come to know Christ. Did you notice in the baptism videos on Sunday, they followed that format? Well, you're going to hear that every baptism from now on. So it's reinforced in your life again and again. This is what people need to hear. This is my life before Christ. This is how I came to know Christ. This has been my life since Christ. And what matters most in your story is not what happened before Christ. Okay, because when you boil it all down, what happened before Christ is the same for every one of us. The details are all a little bit different, but it's fundamentally the same. We were sinners. Without God and without hope, period. That's before Christ. I'll tell you some of the details that are related to me, but what you really need to know is how I came to trust Christ. What you really need to hear is how knowing Christ has made a significant difference for the rest of my life. I want you to hear about what it's like to know Christ. Make sense? Work on your story. Write it down. Please write it down and then rehearse it. Tell it to your family. Tell it to your neighbor. Tell it to your person in your life group. Tell your story. Get comfortable so you can just rattle it off. Have two versions. A short version you can do, do, you can do in two minutes. You have another version that's more detailed, maybe about 10, 12 minutes. All right? Have two versions that you can tell given the opportunity that you have. So work on your story. All right, now I have an opportunity that I want to make available to you tonight. And I want to quickly tell you about it. See all these Bibles up here? These Bibles represent the last part of Merry Christmas with Love. You know, Merry Christmas with Love, we go around giving gifts to people in the community, hundred and some odd families. One of the things that they were able to do this year is they were able to say, I would like a Bible. You know what we did not deliver them to them during Christmas? We did not deliver to them Bibles because we want to personally deliver them to them as a follow-up. So guess what you get to do? I am giving you an opportunity to have a spiritual conversation in the easiest of ways. These people have asked for a Bible. You're not doing anything that they haven't already asked for. You're just a messenger. And you get to go and say, we're from First Baptist Church. We were able to help you during Christmas. And you asked for this Bible. And I'm here to deliver it to you. I would like to know if you would give me two minutes to tell you a story about what's happened in my life. And then you tell them your story. And after you tell them your story, you say, do you have a story like that? 
Because I would love to help you know Jesus Christ if you don't. Simple as that. Now, what I've got up here is I've got all the Bibles. If you take a Bible, in a Bible is um, a, a piece of paper that has their name, address, contact information. So this Bible is supposed to go to this person. Corresponding with that are lists up here. All these lists are the same. You only need to sign up on one. There's about five of them spread out over here. Okay, so you come up and you get a Bible. You see the name on there. Then you come over and find this list. You find their name on this list and you put your name and email so I know you're doing this. I'm going to hold you accountable. Are you hearing me? Because I love you. And I know that if you come get a Bible that you're just like me, it'll sit there for a week and you'll be like, man, I need to do that. I need to do that. Well, if you come back next week and you've done something about it, I'm going to have your name and your contact information. Okay, so I love you. I'm going to hold you accountable. So come up, sign up, grab the Bible. With that is a little cheat sheet. These are notes on how you can talk to them. Okay, so pick that up, read that. That'll be helpful to you. And then if you don't have one of these guides, pick one of these up. If you need a Spanish one, there's some Spanish Bibles. There's some Spanish versions of this in the box on the front pew right there. Okay, so I'm trying to fully equip you to have an experience of going out and sharing. Now, I don't know if there's enough Bibles for every single person here, but there might be. There's a lot of them. And uh, this is your chance to actually do something. It will be so sad if we spend all these weeks doing all this work, prayer, preparation, and when an opportunity comes that's this easy, if we don't do it. You can do this. All right? You can do it. Okay, so you come up, get that stuff when we're done. I'm fixing a break and let you go, and uh, you can get after that. Um, let me give you a couple quick statements here. Don't forget the importance of love. If you don't love people, what you do is not very good at all. So love these people. And then remember that the greatest way to learn and grow is just by trying again and again and again. I cannot tell you how much my growth in this area has been simply because I've done it again and again and again. Okay? And then if you mess up, just trust the Lord. Don't worry about it. You're a spokesperson. He chose you just the way you are. Just trust Him and keep doing it again and again and again. If you're asked a question you don't know, don't worry. You know the person who knows everything. His name's Jesus. Just talk about Him. Okay? Don't worry about it. Just talk about Christ. Someone gets angry at you, doesn't want to talk about it anymore, don't worry about that. Jesus told you that might happen. He told you people will hate him, hate you just like they hated him. Don't let that bother you. Just keep loving them. It doesn't matter. Just keep loving them. You don't know how your reaction of love to their hate might be a piece that is significant in their coming to Christ. If you're here tonight and uh, you're saying... I've had a lot of chances and I've never said anything at all to anybody. What do I do? Just confess your sins to the Lord. Just like I have done in those moments when I should have said something and I didn't. And I came back and I said, man, what a loser I am. Yes. Yes, you're always going to be a loser when it comes to sin, Kevin. But I'm your winner. And I love you. I'll forgive you. Now change. Be my spokesperson. Simple as that. Okay?
and then try again and again and again. If you're here tonight and you say, I just can't do this. This is too overwhelming. I cannot do this. Don't forget your church family. We're here to help. I've just reminded you who you are. You can do this. And we can help you. All right? All right, hear the Bibles? Get after it. Let's do it.